y'all. It's time for Rolling Dice and Taking Names. In this episode, Marty recaps his trip to the Star Wars Unlimited Community Celebration. I was there with him, and it was so much fun. Please check out his video link in the show notes if you haven't already. I did hold the camera a couple times. Plus, Marty and Tony will review Seven Wonders Architects, Total Domination, Stone Spine Architects, and Tanuki. Welcome to Rolling Dice and Taking Names. This is episode 315, As Good As I Was. My name is Marty. Wrong. As Good As I Once Was. My name is Marty. This is Tony, and I'm t- if this title doesn't fit us, I don't know what does. <laughs> I mean, there's two reasons why it's here, but I was like, oh man, this is this is so appropriate for uh, well, us. Number one, I'm not as good as I once was, obviously, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about the reason why in a second, but I guess the other reason why is <laughs> it's kind of come a tradition for our... <laughs> Episodes to be titled after someone who's re- a musician who's recently passed away. I did not realize Toby Keith had cancer. I'm not a big country music fan, so it's not like I keep up the news and anything like that. So when I heard the news that he passed away, it's like, wow, I didn't know anything was wrong. I thought it was one of those things that was kind of secret, mm-hmm. but that wasn't the case at all. I guess it was known. I just didn't realize. I mean, he's one of those country musicians I really can respect. He was a really good musician, everything like that. So I know, I know the country music world was mourning his loss. But he was always a great performer. Always gave his fans what they wanted. You know, he he was top in his genre. I didn't realize just how many albums and records that Toby Keith has. Like you, I'm not a big uh, country listener like I was back in high school in the uh, early '80s. But you know, it's just like wow. You know, Toby Keith's gone. I'm like people I grew up with. Mm. Okay, mm. I know. I'm sad. I'm old. And to be honest with you, I can only name one Toby Keith song before he passed away. Somebody could have said, name a Toby Keith song. I have no clue until they told mm. me, do you know the song Red Solo Cup? I would go, yes, I do. And they would go, okay. well, that's Toby Keith. <laughs> I couldn't name a song from his, but I know a song of his. And honestly, that might be the only one if you played it for me that I would even know. Between that one and the one that's the title, As Good As I Once Was, mm. those are the two that you know, I remember most. Yeah. So I was like, okay, <clears throat> but yes, it's unfortunately becoming a thing for me to do this. Every time I go to look for our songs to name the episodes, I say, Oh, well type in who has died recently. Google, Google comes back. There's the list. I go, Oh, okay. There we go. I mean, you know, <laughs> it's, it's kind, either artists kind of a or good way to do it, but uh, it is, but it's a way for you and I to reminisce on like we did, you know, um, Oh, oh man, Carl Weathers. I wanted to say Carl Lewis, but Carl Weathers, Carl Weathers you know, yeah. Yep. And then to see those commercials over the Super Bowl. So in the commercial where Carl Weathers was featured, I thought, oh, that's a little too soon. And then they gave him the little uh, memoriam. Mm-hmm. And then I went, okay, okay, that's that's yeah. very appreciated. So one thing we didn't talk about, I know this isn't an intro, but I always do this to you. And since we haven't recorded since the Super Bowl, what was your one favorite commercials? What was, the, what was your favorite? And those of you who listen to us in another country – um, Super Bowl, big football game, and you either watch it for the game because you care about the teams that are playing, or you're watching it because you know that the uh, people who are advertising have spent millions and millions of dollars to get your attention and to make you talk about their product for the next three to six months, and you'll get to continue to see it. So which one was yours? Dung Kings. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> With Matt Damon and uh, Ben Affleck and uh, J-Lo. Tom Brady and, Tom and some Brady. other, uh, uh, was a, uh, I can't remember. Joe Fat or something like that. Yeah, or, I'm, I'm I don't not know sure if the, you're, yeah. It was Matt Damon that got me. Sometimes it's hard being your friend. <laughs> 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 he just killed it for me. It was so good. Yeah. And, and 
I, I'm sorry. <laughs> when he goes, I'm sorry, he's looking at J-Lo. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. But oh, and some of the outtakes are just as good. Like when Tom Brady's tossing with Matt Damon, yeah. the football. Yeah. And, and, and Affleck's, no, bring it in here like a touchdown. Bring it in here. Whoa, that was too hard. <laughs> I was like, God. And, and that makes you think, you know, when we look at watch football, it's like, those balls aren't that hard. But to see him do that and watch someone who's never caught a professional quarterback's yeah. throw yeah. react to it, you're just like, oh, those things are coming. Yeah. You it's fu- it's funny you say that. Uh, so Cam Newton was a uh, big quarterback here at uh, Charlotte, Carolina Panthers. And I know that early on, one of his issues was the guy threw so hard that even his receivers like, dude, take a tad off of it. <laughs> <laughs> and so even for – so. To me, for a professional receiver to say, wow, it comes in quick, as a normie, I couldn't imagine how fast that thing would be coming in. Mm-hmm. Right. And then the, the the one where they were throwing the footballs through the uh, donut mm-hmm. out in the parking lot and, you know, <laughs> Aflac barely hit the building. I was like... <laughs> he, he didn't exactly have good form, did he? It's like, have you ever thrown a football before? <laughs> oh, yeah, that was one of my favorite. And then uh, and the rest of them, I really, you know... The State Farm with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger was my runner-up. Yeah. Nabah. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> and bringing in Danny DeVito at the end. And I'm like, I'm sitting there. I've looked at Travis. I'm like, you don't get the reference to you. He's like, no. nope. So there's this movie called Twins. <laughs> and they were in it oh. together. Uh, so I had to explain that one to him. But yeah, mm. yeah. Uh, I mean, it's one of those things. The second half was good. First half was kind of boring. Uh, the team I was pulling mm. for didn't win. But yeah, it's always a fun yeah. time. Same here. Didn't really care, but I did want the one guy on the um, Christian McCaffrey. He was an old Panther. I would have loved for him to get a uh, Super Bowl ring and then come back to the Carolinas, even though he doesn't live here anymore, and just shove it in all their faces. I agree. I agree. I was actually glad when he left the Panthers because it's like, you're too good for here. So I've been pulling for him ever since. I I used to be a, a Cowboys fan, which means it made me an automatic 49ers hater, but that's kind of gone away over the years. So I was really pulling for him also because I, I really like him good player and it's, it's unusual for a running back of his stature and size and everything like that to be as good as mm-hmm. good as he is all right so in the title says as good as i once was meaning uh, we aren't as, as saying it that we are as good as we used to be which is not the case because i have two major corrections two major corrections so i want to get those out there okay one's not a one's not a correction one's just an understanding Okay. Okay. So I want to be. I want to be clear on that. Okay. The first one is a total correction, and I always want to come back. And if I make a mistake, somebody finds a mistake. We tell we, we we pay out. Usually, it's silly things like pronunciations or something. But I badly explained how cards are played in the game El Grande that were recorded last episode. I said cards are are placed down blindly and flipped over. I don't know what I was thinking. That's not the case. That's not the way we play the game. The way El Grande is played is the first player is going to reveal a card from the hand of some value. The next player will reveal a card, but it can't be the same number that's already been played. That's part of the strategy of the game. You're playing a number and you know that somebody else. So if you play what is the highest number in the deck, you know you're going to be able to go first that round. There's a way to maybe possibly track of who has played what, etc. So that's a big part of the game. If Tony was to play a six, it's my turn. I can't play a six. I got to play something else. The person after me must do something else. And the first player, the next round, will go to who went last in the previous round. So maybe you want to make sure to go to first the next round. So you play a super low number to make sure you get to play the card first the next round. The way I explained it in the review was very misleading, incorrect, 
It's a big part of the game. That's a correction on my part. So I hope I have fixed that. I think you did. Yeah. And I, I, of course, you know me, I was, you're explaining the rules. I'm like, I've already played. I don't need to listen to your rules again. Yeah. Why didn't uh, you catch me and say something? Cause you know, it's, it's, you're talking rules. I'm I'm done. It's kind of like when you're actually teaching a game or I'm teaching a game, we all kind of zone out periodically as we go through it. It's kind of important to stay zoned in during a rules teach. Sometimes. And we'll talk about a game that it didn't matter this time, but that's the, and now the other one was a, um, understanding is two, two different interpretations of the song. I'm not in love by 10 CC. Yes. And, uh, which will bring me back to something about our discord channel. But I even asked my wife, Donna, what did she think of it? And she thought like you originally thought that it was a song about he did not, he wasn't in love anymore. And that's not the case. He is in love. Mm -hmm. He won't give his picture back because he's hiding in the same wall. He was making up excuses why he had to maintain the memory of whoever he loved. Did you watch the video that was posted in Discord, which told the whole backstory? Oh, it is so good. So Is it? Yes. The guy who wrote the song for 10CC, his wife asked him one morning at breakfast, why don't you ever say I love you? He said, because if I said I loved you every day, it would lose its meaning. So that kind of stuck with him over time. It's like, what's other ways I can say I love you without saying it? And in the progress, he and his bandmates Mm -hmm. got together and came up with the lyrics for this song. So yes, it's a way of saying I love you without really coming out and using those words. And then it kind of became almost a passive aggressive. Look, I'm I'm not really in love with you. Kind of making excuses saying, oh, just ignore that picture on the wall I have of you. It's, it's the other purpose is this, meaning, no, it's really because he loves her. So, yes, I was totally incorrect on that. Me and Vanessa have had this discussion before. So Vanessa was 100%. But what's also interesting about that video is then they went through the whole recording process, which I've heard a little bit before, mm-hmm. where basically there's like 600 voices on that recording. If you don't know the song, I'm not in love by 10CC, go listen to it. It is like choral voices just constantly the whole time. Really? Yeah. I never pick up on that. I mean, I, I, I always wait for big boys don't cry. Big boys don't cry. Yeah, big boys don't cry, which they talked about why that's in there. It was the receptionist at the recording studio where they recorded it. She came in and had to give give one of the band members a message and she was whispering and it was an inspiration for them to put that in the bridge of the song. <laughs> Okay, I got. I'll go watch that. I, I read the. I read it. I didn't watch the video yeah. yet. No, it is, it is all right. So the recording process is is so cool. So they wanted to have this choral thing, but they couldn't hire a choir. So each of them went to the recording studio and recorded one note, and they did a chromatic note. So there's 13 notes in one octave. They each took time recording a single note, and they would hold it out as long as they could, and they put that onto a 16 track recorder. Then what they did is they set up in the recording studio playback of all 16 tracks and each track goes to a fader on a mixer. And then as they're playing the song and there's two mics set up in the studio to try to get a stereo effect, they use the faders to create the chords. So if you're not musically inclined, there's three, like three notes in a chord. What they do is they wanted a certain chord. They would bring up the Oz on three different notes and fade the others down. So throughout the whole song, they're constantly bringing in different notes to go along with the song and stuff like that to give that whole effect like it's one long ah during the whole song. So freaking cool. And it's so cool because today that would be super easy to do because of digital recording and stuff like that. I could do something like that sitting here right in front of this PC because I have a way to record on a digital system and add echo and all this stuff like that. 
but they were having to do this using limited recording techniques like there's only 16 tracks on a tape and stuff like that and they had to add in you know back then when you added reverb it was actual physical plates that were brought into a room to give that sound of like being in a concert hall etc just super interesting the recording process of that one song along they did this in 1975 because i'm looking at it Mm because you know 10 cc didn't have a long shelf life no and they put all that into that and some of their other songs that I'm sure everybody's heard is I'm I'm Mandy Fly Me. Okay, that's from their album. Life is a Mindstone. They had one other big song that I remember. Um, let's see if I can figure it out. It's um probably it's not the things we do for love. Yes, is it is. It? Things we do for love. The things we, the, the things we do for love. That's it. Yep. Yep. Okay. That's that's the other big one they had. But anyway, um I was always been fascinated by that song. And if you've never heard it again, not in love by 10 CC. Put on some good stereo headphones and just sit back and listen to it. And it's just crazy what's going on between the left and right. Mm. And then think about the process they did to get those ahs in there. So cool. And if you're as unmusically inclined as I am, go back and listen to Marty again. Explain it so that you catch that after you listen <laughs> again, to it. The, somebody posted the video in our Discord channel. Watch the video. It's, it explains it way better than I did. Speaking of Discord channel, as usual, our Discord people, friends, relatives, neighbors, whatever, family, did not let me down. We released this hour-long hour and a half long podcast. And what do they do? They pick up on a small snippet and I appreciate that they do this. And they were listening to us talk about song saga, song saga. And they start listing their, their first albums, their first CDs, their crushes, things like that. So I just want to give a big shout out to our discord channel for doing that. I'll admit we talked about song saga longer than I remembered after I went back and listened to the episode. And I was like, Holy cow. Man, why are we talking about this so long? But anyway, thank you to everyone that did that. So in our Discord channel, do y'all say Saga or Saga? There you go. I say Saga. Tony says Saga. Song Saga. Song Saga. Mm-hmm. I'll probably say it both ways. You know me. <laughs> I can't pronounce anything right. I, I do too. There's some words. Sometimes like Catan, Catan. It's like mm-hmm. I'm 50% right. Because <laughs> I, I always forget which is, the, which is the correct way to do it. No, yeah, that was cool. I love it when people pick up on little things like that from our show and then just call them and start chit-chatting about it. And it's, it's funny, as we were doing that, I thought this is kind of fun to do. And that's one of those things that listeners can, can jump in mm-hmm. and kind of uh, play along uh, with us. Now, I do want to jump over to a public uh, service announcement on rule teaches. Uh-huh. So before we got on recording tonight, we had friends over in about a, um, let's see, in approximately a month, I will be heading over to Barcelona, Madrid, and Granada for a uh, vacation. And when we do go over there, the people who we are going with wanted to make sure we, you know, she had all these little games to teach us things about culture because they live there. That's where they went to the university and they studied abroad, things like that. And she said, well, I won't teach you all a little bit about the geography, teach you a little bit about the towns. So she thought she would do it by doing Ticket to Ride. So she got a map of Spain. Appreciate her doing this. She put a lot of effort into this, mm-hmm. highlighted some cities, created some tickets so that you would have tickets. And then, you know, brought over the ticket to ride train card, things like that. As we were playing, I'm looking at people. I'm like, why are y'all not building routes? You know, they didn't, she didn't have a little individual spaces for the trains to go on because it was a map. And it reminds me that don't assume everybody remembers the rules that you do, even to common games like ticket to ride. Mm-hmm. Because they were going to build for their tickets, they thought they had to have all the trains needed and necessary to build all the routes. They had forgotten that you build 
the tickets route by route. And you can only, even after I said it multiple times, a route, you can only build one train per route. And they're like, okay, well, they were thinking tickets were routes, not city to city. Mm. And it's all these nuances to rules. That is, we play all these games for for you and I. And I was telling them, I'm like, I'm so, we're so used to playing games, you know, weekly, every other week that mechanics to games, basic mechanics that we know, we really kind of skip over or breeze over rule teaches when it says, Hey, play some maple, do an action. We can read iconography. We can quickly go through things like that. Mm -hmm. But you forget that when people don't do that very often, that they forget the basics, even behind games such as Catan, Ticket to Ride, Pandemic. So it was fun. It was interesting to watch this version that she put together for us to try to play and people getting confused and all. And I looked at her and said, did you go out and see if uh, there was a fan-made map of Spain? They do that? I'm like, yep, sure, here it is. You know, I could have printed it out for you. It was an interesting way to teach us cities, locations, and geography. Yeah, that's actually a really good idea. Geez, they have so many maps out now of so many different areas that there's a chance that maybe a spot that you're going to might have some sort of map. Or um, a fan-made map. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. And they kept saying, well, won't, won't the people who do that? I said, they don't care if you make fan-made maps. Because you're going to buy the base game or you already have the base game. Or maybe you create it and they'll maybe license it from you if it's that good or they'll take it and make it their own. Right. They don't care as long as you're playing the game. And if you're doing that, then somebody else may buy a ticket to ride. They don't care. Yeah. I think I, I don't think there's any license for maps. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's, it's just something that already exists and they don't need to. They don't need to buy it from you because they can just make their own map of something that already exists. <laughs> exactly. And they're like, well, what's the challenge? I go, well, the challenge is figuring out how many trains are in a route, how much to make mm. the ticket point values for, how to make it so that everybody has an equal opportunity to complete all the various tickets that are in there. And they were like, oh, I'm like, yeah, there's a lot that goes in or behind these, even expansions to these maps or any game from that matter that you don't realize that. And they go, well, why don't you design a game? I don't have the patience, time or, or want to to figure all that out and have to spend time. It takes it, designers are special people and I appreciate what they bring and the joy they bring. So we rarely talk about Kickstarters, but I want to mention that the Alter TCG Kickstarter is going on right now. And I want to mention it because Tony and I got a special preview of it last year at Gen Con. We talked about it during our Gen Con episode. It's going to be a TCG coming out with this stuff from the studio um, Equinox uh, and it's being published by um, Asmodee. This is a TCG that honestly felt like a lot of Star Wars Unlimited with the resources done and everything. But what's different is instead of trying to deal damage to somebody else, there's a map out in front of you, a horizontal map. And each of you have pawns or pieces on, on each side of the map. And you're trying to get your two pieces to meet in the middle. And you do about that by fighting over different terrain spots that's within that map. And if you win a certain terrain spot, you get to move your little meeple one spot closer to the other meeple. I enjoyed the game. I was very interested in following it. They have a unique business model with this idea of like a print on demand stuff. I'm still curious how that's going to go. But I do want to possibly get a booster box here because the the Kickstarter right now with 10 days to go is $3.2 million. But the stretch goals is insane. There's like an extra pack per box. There's more rare drops in each box. There's an extra card in each pack. There's a higher chance to get uniques. These specially made Kickstarter booster boxes, to me, I think could be worth a lot in the secondary market. 
which is why I'm willing to at least buy a booster box under speculation purposes <laughs> that is going to go up in value just because there's so much extra stuff in there compared to what the regular retail is. But I am interested in picking up on all, all the starter decks too, because at minimum, I think just having the starter decks would be fun to play. Mm-hmm. So the expert pack is running 149 pounds, no euros, sorry, euros. Um, includes all the boosters, stretch goals, choose two decks from six available, one display. And then uh, and you told me that you could add in things. So if you want an additional, um, oh, I don't know. Boosters and starters. Decks, boosters, mm-hmm. do, boosters and starters. Mm-hmm. And if you really want to go all in, there is the $550 or $549 Euro legendary pack, which includes all the gangenic stuff, the tokens, all this stuff that's in their mats, and we, we can just keep going on. Oh, and includes, on down oh, includes game genic. I'm looking at it now, I don't see it say that. Uh, it says plus, all stretch goals, it has two starter decks and four booster boxes. 500. I see plus all the items, plus one premium deck wallet, 50 um, premium zip up album, some game genic stuff. Oh, right I'm there. sorry, I'm looking at the a one below it. I was looking at Master Pack. You're looking at Legendary. Got it. Legendary. Got it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So Game Genic is supporting this. Game Genic makes incredible. Oh, geez, that has the premium markers in it. <laughs> well, you um, you can probably. I'm looking through it. I have not seen the markers. Oh, there they are. You can add premium acrylic add-ons for uh, ten euros uh, pack depending on the factions you want to pick up. Each faction pack contains four hero standees and four companion standees, or you can get it all exclusive for all six for 50 euros. I mean, they, they're going all out here and premium markers. I mean, my goodness, they've got this thing figured out, don't they? So that comes with three booster boxes, but all the cool stuff. Dang it. All right. We'll talk offline. Shoot. We'll talk we'll offline. Talk offline. <laughs> Cause I don't know if that's going to, if it's going to be a game I'm going to play long goal. So I don't know if I need all the game genic stuff. I do think those booster boxes may be worth some later on, but I for sure want at least the starter packs just to play the game. Did you see the, um, and I'm just going through this cards layer pro 1000 plus for altered edition. I had not seen this for the game. This is a basic for game genic, but it's, uh, for 95 euros. It's down near the bottom. This box that contains a place to put your play mats your place to put your cards, a place to put all your tokens. This thing is insane. You said, did you say cards layer pro? Yes, I do yeah. see it now. Dude, okay, so we're, good, we're getting ready to talk about my experience I had at um, Star Wars Unlimited where I got some game genetic stuff. But when I got home and was sorting cards, I have one of their 600 count, is it 600 count or 1,000 count card boxes that's somewhat like this to where it has all these trays that come out of it. And these two long rows for the cards. It doesn't have a place for a mat, which is really cool. That is really cool for the mat to be cleared right there. Game Genic's putting out good stuff. It's just good, mm-hmm. good product. Yeah, that's so. a good. That's a well designed thing. With G, it's what a hundred bucks. Wow. So yeah, but like you said, it's three and a half million or whatever it is at the Kickstarter. Now the question is, will Altered catch on? You know, will they have a good run at it? And I mean, for the booster boxes, if you want to speculate, you're assuming that the game is actually worth something. A month from now, sure. Or is it going? And I don't. We don't know. No. We don't. We we played it. Uh, I mean, it didn't grab me like Star Wars did. Mm. I mean, it was still interesting. It was different, which I like about these altered. You know, a different TCG game where they's not. I'm going to go beat you down. You're going to go beat me down. Mm-hmm. That was probably the big positive for that. But like you said, you and I will probably sit on the wings and say, okay, how is this model going to work, and how will the fans? appreciate it. You'll make it easier to get cards in the future with their model that they're proposing. And if you're not sure what it is, go check it out. Other than that, yeah, it's 
Whew. It, it's definitely speculation. It, it is. And with Lorcana just coming out and then Star Wars coming out and then this will be out, I think in June or July. I can't remember when it's supposed to hit. Or I know it's supposed to come out like just before Gen Con. So I think it'll be there at Gen Con also. So yeah, July of this year too. So it's not like you have to wait too long on this stuff. So I'm sure they're already going to start printing it up pretty soon too to backers. So that is uh, Altered. I'm probably going to throw some money at it because I just like card games. But I'm really curious to see about if people are going to accept this business model or not. And only only time will tell. Game Toppers LLC, upgrading your gaming experience. What do I mean by that? It means that you're able to place a nice game topper on that table that you have there and convert it to the ultimate gaming rig. Now, when your friends come over to play games, this happens to me all the time. People come over, they are knocking tokens on the floor. I'm finding them in the carpet. Then all of a sudden, it's one of the things I wish we could take in over to Qdoba's because we're constantly having to crawl on that nasty floor and pick these things up. A game topper is going to prevent you from doing that because it seals the edge. It makes it so easy. I mean, and you've got modular cup holders so people aren't spilling drinks. Good news is I do take my game topper mat to Qdoba's. And when we do have leakage from the cups, you know, some sweating going on. Maybe we got a little salsa happening right there. I have sealed those bad boys up and it cleans up. I do not have a problem keeping that mat clean because it is so sturdy and it took care of my scotch guarding. If scotch guarding just soaked up, it did not blemish from it. It did not lose its color, but I will say test it before you do it because you, you never do know, but I have done it on all of my mats and I have four varying sizes. I have a size for my coffee table. I have a size for Qdoba's. I have a size for Donna's freaking puzzles. And then I have this one that I don't know how he got it for me, but it's this huge one. I think it's for when I have eight people around the table. So that's right. I have bought, collected, or he has sent me four Game Topper maps. I cannot tell you enough how much I love those maps. Well, maybe I just did by telling you I have four of them. They're stitched. They're not going to fall apart like some of other ones. Back to the Game Topper. They're military-grade aluminum. There are um, no-slip performance. Marty has told you all about that, where his dad was trying to flip it, slide it, turn it over. I could just imagine his face when he saw that. It's going to throw out his back. It's, going to throw, it's not going to move. We've talked about that during Thanksgiving where we, you know, it's not going to slide off from all that turkey grease on the table. Go check it out over at GameToppersLLC.com. Five minute initiative begins in three, two, one. one of my favorite games is Seven Wonders, and I was so excited in 2021 when Seven Wonders Architects came out, which was a streamlined version of Seven Wonders. Three years later, they have come out with an expansion called Seven Wonders Architects Metals. And the biggest thing about Metals is it brings together the two new wonders, uh, one from Rome and one from your, you are, er, so that, that's the biggest things. And then they've added these medals, which are basically, if you complete certain objectives, you're going to get additional victory points. Mm -hmm. Now, for those who have never played Seven Wonders Architects, real quick, you are drafting cards either from, to the left of you, to the right of you. One is your deck, one is your opponent's deck, and then from the center, you can draft a card from there. When you gather up enough resources or science or technology, you will then either advance your wonder bottom to top, 
And then whoever completes their wonder, the game ends, and whoever has the most victory points wins. Unlike Seven Wonders, where you have to you know gather up all these, uh, how many technologies did you have? All this well, war stuff. You know, there's war in this one, but it's not of the same nature. So that's the big thing with Seven Wonders Architects Medals is these collective goals that you are trying to compete against with one another. Now, Marty has not played Seven Wonders Architect in a very long time. And I'm just curious, without medals, just flash it. Do you like Seven Wonders Architect? I don't know that I've played it. If I have, I totally okay. forgot. I think it is a really cool, fast, streamlined game of Seven Wonders. I think it's one of those I could teach my family. I love drafting from the left to the right. Gone or, well, to build this building, you need to have this building in place. Mm -hmm. All that's gone to make it easy to learn. The military is really straightforward. You still have the military cards, but if there's a, a war horn on there, you flip over a token. And when the third token is military tokens flipped over, you compare who has the most to left and right. And then you gain victory points based off that. That's kind of like the base game. No, I think it flows fast. You play in 30 minutes. Love, love architects. I think I need a copy for myself. Yeah, it's it's a easy teach, and you know, because I was teaching y'all to get the expansion on the table. Now, four medals. Does it add a lot other than the wonders? The chase of the additional points, not really. So mm -hmm. I think with this expansion, you are buying it simply for the additional wonders of Roman. Er. Yeah, and the thing that we ran into with the medals was uh, like the the medal that was between myself and Bert. So there's a medal to your left and to your right. So you're competing for two different medals. The one that was between Bert and I said, you need to uh, have uh, four different other colors, like uh, the science, uh, the military, a resource, gold, or, or whatever it was. And once you have that, you can just claim this medal. Well, the thing was, and the thing we got always struck with was the rules state that when you have enough resources to build a certain level of your wonder, you must do it. So there were times when I was having to turn in that gold I was hoping to use towards completion of my objective in order to build a part of my wonder. And that messed me up. And I could have been wrong in the rules. I went back and read them multiple times and it did clearly say when you have the capability, you must do it. And you even got one of the science advancements where, no, it was Bert who said the equal or does not equal doesn't matter anymore. So I think that is one of the, th from the medals, certain ones are easier to complete than the others ones. Like I had, if you had three um, technologies, as soon as you are able to meet the medal requirement, you gain it. You don't have to immediately turn it in. So maybe you messed up from that standpoint. Like if I had three green technology cards, I could claim that medal. And then I turn in the three technologies to gain the green token in the middle. So it's, it's as soon as you meet the metal requirement, you gain the metal requirement done. There is an advanced version where you are, have some in the, also in the middle where you are competing for those as well. Mm -hmm. For four points, once again, I, for me, it's all about the wonder. I really, really appreciate the inserts. They're really nice. I don't know if they're game trays, but they look like a game tray type way to store the, the parts of your wonder and your deck. Very easy to kind of hand out to people. I love how each faction has its own little ability. So the, uh, there's a little, everyone has its own little ability that they can do to make them all feel different. So all that is really cool. Like I said, if I'm going to, I've taught Seven Wonders my family before and it took a while. I think I'd rather teach this than over the base game of Seven Wonders at this point because of how quick it is to teach and length of play. So that is Seven Wonders Architect plus Seven Wonders Architects Medals, which is coming out in 2024. That is designer was Antoine Bauza by Repos Productions. Five minute initiative is complete.
So at the end of February, I got invited to do something, and it was it was really special. I've I've never been invited to a special. Can I get five dollars, please? At the end of January, you not February, January. It was in February. It was last weekend. You, but you said you got invited. Oh, I thought you got invited. I in got Jan- invited to an event that happened in February. Is that better? <laughs> you've, you're, you've call, you're costing us money left and right. right. Now I just want to make sure. I'm going to start okay. all over here. <laughs> Late January, I got an invite to an event that occurred in the middle of February for a Star Wars Unlimited community celebration. Now, I've never been invited to anything like this. I know that these sort of things happen so often whenever a product comes out. But I think we've been working with Fantasy Flight Games for a while. They know that we like their card games. We've been big fans of them for years. So they reached out and said, hey, we want to fly you guys up to Minneapolis, uh, along with some other content creators who are interested in this game. Tony said, I can't do it, which sucks because he should have gone. Mm-hmm. I know. Hey, it's my birthday weekend. I, I got plans. You get a birthday we're guys. We get a birthday. You don't get like a birthday weekend or a birthday month or anything like that. Um, you speak for yourself. You haven't lobbied hard enough. <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> I, hey, I know how it is. I understand that. I'm glad you were able to go. Yeah. In hindsight, yes, I definitely should have gone. However, I mean, we had just gotten back from Dyson Diversions. We just did Tantrum Con. My good, my gaming goodwill is is you know she's running on empty, so I got I got to build it back up because I got to build up for some you know Gen Con. Anyway, so it was up in Minneapolis <laughs> at the Mall of America. So instead, Vanessa went with me. I said, Vanessa, do you want to go to this event? Uh, I'm going to be playing a game, and and you could just shop around Mall of America. She went, yes. I mean, it was like it's like she said the largest mall in the United States. Yes. <laughs> so she went with me, and she had the best time in Mall of America. Every once in a while, when I was at the event, I was texting, "How are things going?" She said, "This is amazing. I'm loving this." She said. You're not upset that I can't come out and with you? She went, no, no. You just keep doing what you're doing. I'm just enjoying myself. Now, I've been to the Mall of America. I was curious. I would have loved to have heard her impressions of it because of how many stores, you know, malls are dying. Yeah. And I would have loved to have heard how well Mall of America, because I went in in one of its heydays, and it was. The Snoopy uh, amusement park, all that was was unreal. And I don't think they do Snoopy. They lost the license anymore. Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon. It's Nickelodeon okay. shows. Yep, that's all it is now. So it's funny. Friday we got there and we were walking around the mall, and it was it was very easy to get into the Lego store when it, and stuff like that, and we were no problem. So Saturday, uh, my event starts at noon, and then Vanessa texts me said it's insane out here. She said I'm in a line at Lego. I said what do you mean in line at Lego? She said there is a line wrapped around the Lego store to get in. I came out a little bit later, about after five, and it was insane. The mall was packed. It's the only mall in America that probably does, still does well. But with that amusement park in the middle, it's also a place for families to bring their kids. Mm-hmm. You know, they hang out. It's cold outside. It's Minneapolis. What else are you going to do? They come and ride the rides <laughs> and stuff like that. And uh, no, there's no, like, in a lot of malls, you know, there's, like, boarded up stores and, you know, empty mm-hmm. uh, slot. No, nothing like that. You know, every oh, store good. is open. They're all packed. So um, it's still alive and well. Now, did she bring home the 2,700-piece um, Great British Bake Off Lego set? She didn't see that. I have to ask her if she saw that. We didn't see that. Instead, yeah, she yeah. brought home the flowers. She's into the Lego flowers now. Oh, Okay. I think it's just now coming out that I'm like 2,700 pieces. I would love that, but I'm not going to put down the money for the Great British Bake Off Lego set. 
But who, no, nobody cares about, well, we got some people who care about Legos. Tell us about your card event where you got to play Star Wars Unlimited, opening the first booster packs. Again, this was the entire design team, community managers, designers, project leads, et cetera, that held, was held at a place that uh, holds esports events, Wisdom Games. They actually have the Minnesota Timberwolves esports NBA 2K team trains there. They have their own little facility and stuff. So they have this big studio that they had us in and uh, Fantasy Flight from 12 to 5 that day streamed all day long, having guests on, playing games and stuff. Behind the scenes, they gave all attendees a two-starter box, a booster box, tons of GameGenic stuff, a deck box. Y'all, the GameGenic deck boxes are so flipping nice. Uh, for like four packs of sleeves and their GameGenic sleeves. I really like those. I love the textures on the back because they make smash uh, shuffling very easy as opposed to riffle shuffling. I've gotten a lot better at smash shuffling, which is, you know, you sit there, just do that. As you're talking to somebody over and over again, you get a really good shuffle. And these, uh, the deck sleeves slide really in really well doing that sort of thing. So anyway, yeah, the very first thing we did, we cracked open the booster boxes. We opened six packs of cards. We did a sealed event, which was fun. Open up six packs of cards where you build a 30 card deck and you had a pod of eight people and we just played you know, kind of a round robin thing, a lot of fun. You could do drafts, take three unopened packs. You open a pack, you look through the packs, you take a card, you pass it to the player and you're left. So you keep passing, you build a deck that way. So draft works really well. Every pack of cards comes with one leader, one base. You need both when you're building a deck. During these sorts of events, all the bases are available to you. They have a whole stack of bases. So if there's a certain base that you want you can come get it. They kind of do that same thing in Magic also. If you don't have the mana that you need, they just got a whole bunch of mana you can throw into your deck as needed. I reread the quick start rules that morning. I immediately had it. I never had to look at the quick start rules again. Start of your turn, draw two cards, put down a mana. You could take an action. An action's playing resources to play a card. An action is to tap a card that has an action ability in play or play an event card or attack. You could pick the ground arena to attack somebody in the ground arena or attack the base, pick somebody a card in the space, attack somebody's space or the or the base. The goal is to deal the max damage to the base of your opponent. If you do, you win. Games last 20 minutes. It's fast, it's snappy. I brought and taught you, not taught you, you already kind of knew how to play, but we played with the starter decks at game night. You immediately picked back on it super fast. Our game was 20 minutes or less. I taught a guy at work. We played two games 20 minutes or less. It's fun, it's fast, and I, I just can't wait to start building decks. And that to me is probably, so when we were playing, I do not like, and I will say this, I do not like playing decks built for me. The fun of these type of games are for me to build a deck. I, to be honest with you, I could care if I'm win or losing this, as long as I see how well a deck, I get more enjoyment out of seeing how well my deck performs than did I win or lose. Did the strategy I have work for me. Like you had that combo of going of, Oh, look, I'm going to say a number. I'll look at the top card, say a number. And then I get to do this stuff Yeah, that, that worked well for you. You got that out. You were able to do it. Yeah. Okay? but That's built into the starter decks. And that's why I think the starter decks are so good. Lots of times starter decks don't show you enough of the game, but this shows you a lot. So I had Luke Skywalker. If you happen to get C3PO and R2D2 out together, one of them said that, Hey, uh, when you attack, look at the top card of the deck. The other one was, Hey, when you attack, Name a number, then look at the top card of your deck. If it has that resource value, you put it into your hand. So you play those two off of each other, and you can always draw an extra card from your deck. Little combos like that I get excited about. I mean, 
like you. I remember some of the Lord of the Deck, Lord of the Deck, Lord of the Ring decks that we played where, man, if I could just get that little sweet combo going and you pat yourself on the back, like, look what I did. I know yeah. it's easy to net deck now, right? And just go out and find something. I think with this game, because it's not that complicated, me just coming through and coming up with an idea, I think it's going to be fun. Yeah, that takes me back to our Android Netrunner days. Mm. When we would look at the various factions, the various ways of running against things, is this ice going to work? Is this server system going to work? How am I going to bluff? To me, there was no bluffing in this game, which was one of the fun things of Android Netrunner that you and I both really enjoyed was the bluffing aspect of it. Yeah. So there may be some of this in the Star Wars. Haven't seen it not, yet. Not Don't right know. now. There's, there's really no bluffing. No. But to me, deck building is the fun as long as the distribution is solid. And that now that you did say something that concerns me a little bit is there's always a leader in a base. Yes. If there's one in every pack, mm-hmm. eventually I will have them all. Yep. And then it becomes superfluous and it's taking up cards in my booster pack. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Unfortunately... I, I can't get around. It's like mana inside magic packs. Once you have enough mana, it's just kind of throwaway, right? It's just, just don't really need it anymore or lands or right. whatever. So yes, there's like 18 leaders. You eventually will get them all. The base is now, the, I do like what they do with the bases. The backside of the bases are tokens. Tokens meaning like shields and stuff like that that you can use in the game. Now they gave us nice acrylic tokens from Game Genic to use as our real tokens. But if you don't get those, they provide you backs to the bases are cards that can be used as tokens mm-hmm. uh, to mark who's got a shield, et cetera, who's got experience, uh, which is plus one, plus one on a, on a card. But j- your concern is, is true. Yeah. Eventually there's two cards in the pack that just doesn't do you a lot of good. Now, what I do like is the hard to get cards are just alt art of existing cards. Every pack has one foil foil. The very last card is a foil. It could be of anything. So there's a way to get two rares. That last mm-hmm. card could be a rare to go along with your other regular rare. Mm-hmm. There's a, something called a hyperspace card, which is a borderless card with a special effects on the edge of the card. And there's like one of those in like every eight packs. What people want is to get a foil hyperspace card in that last slot, mm. which is harder to get. And then there's common, uncommon, rare, legendary. Now I was like, wait a minute. There's only like a couple legendary per per box. I said, am I going to have to buy three of those? So they said, well, let's look at the legendary cards. And it's like, no, not really. They're not so uber powerful that you need legendaries in your decks. And Good. some of the legendaries cost like eight resources. A game could be over before you'd ever got to play it because the games are that fast. Mm-hmm. So I don't think legendary needing a legendary is going to hurt anything. Back to my point is, so getting a hyperspace foil legendary is really tough. And I pulled one. I pulled the Luke Skywalker foil hyperspace legendary card. And I immediately put it in a hardback case and, Mm -hmm. and put it in my box. Cause it's like, I don't know what that's going to be worth, but that's fun. It makes open booster packs fun looking for those special cards. Okay. And then it was lost by American airlines when you flew back to Charlotte because your luggage was lost. No, that's I carried on baby. Okay, I figured you would. Yeah, yeah, I carried so. on. And then the the Uber Uber special card is called a signature card, which is basically the first leader card is foiled with hyperspace. And there's only like one in every 288 packs. And the very first pack somebody opened in their box, they found the first ever signature card and everybody's going crazy over it and stuff. So 
I, I don't, I, yeah, see, that's, I don't care about that. Nope. You know? See, and that's the thing. That's the good part. You're not a collector. I'm not a collector. We don't care. We get a signature card. We sell it for a lot of money and I invest it and buy more cards. Done. Mm-hmm. To play the game that I want to play. Yeah. I just wish that they would have thought about this base hero thing a little bit because in all of them, it's not just FFG. It's all the card manufacturers. Why not just sell me that as something I can buy to start with? Not as a booster, but as a supplement and then get that out of the way. I know it's, it's, it saves you time and money or, or it costs me to go and buy more cards because I'm down two cards in every pack. That will probably be, that's my biggest negative with all these games nowadays. One reason why they did it and they have huge emphasis on community. They wanted to make sure that when you go to a store and you play a draft event, that you're going to have the leader, a leaders and stuffing that you, in a pack that you open that you're going to have a base that you can build off of. Same thing with the sealed event. They want to make sure you open six packs. You have leaders and stuff that you can build off of. Their whole goal was to make sure to support as many multi-variants of gameplay as they can. They have organized play is all set up and ready to go. So that's one reason why they made the boosters like that, was they focused on sealed and draft. Because mm-hmm. draft is a very popular version to play. And while I was there, they announced the multiplayer version, which I was super excited about. They had not shown this until that day. It's called Twin Suns. It supports three to four players. It's like Commander and Magic the Gathering. In Commander, you can only have a single copy of a card. This is the same way. It's a 50-card deck. You can only have one copy of a card. You get two leaders instead. You can play four-player, and it plays just, just regularly. There's a couple extra tokens that you can claim, like drawing extra cards, doing some extra damage i'm not going to go into the rules and stuff because we'll review the game later on but one thing i really do like is i've played a lot of commander and when you're the first person knocked out you're sitting there possibly for the next 30 minutes watching three other people playing is boring they recognize that they said in our game the first person's knocked out you finish that round whoever has the most life left on their base just wins the game again they've condensed the multiplayer from magic down to a shorter game too and people are loving that format Oh, good. Okay. All right. Well, I can't wait to see more of it. Uh, when's this coming out again? I'm sorry. March 8th. Pre-release events are March 1st. The game comes out March 8th. When it does, you and I've got a couple booster boxes from Miniature Market that we pre-ordered that we'll sit down. Maybe we'll do a maybe we'll do our, a classic draft or something like that. I don't know. We draft packs or whatever. We'll throw some decks together. We'll play the game. We'll come back and revo- review the game in full. Okay. But it was an amazing weekend. Thanks so much to Fantasy Flight Games for uh, hosting. It was an incredible event. Oh, one thing One thing I did ask is a lot of people have an issue with this game because of the failure of Star Wars Destiny. I talked to several of the project leads and designers. They said, yes, Star Wars Destiny did not go the way we wanted it to. A lot of issues with getting the dice made. Uh, there were supply issues. The game failed. So from day one, we've been trying to make sure to avoid the same pitfalls that we have with that game. He said, in fact, when we came up with the idea with the game, we went to the head of Asthma Day and we said, we want to pitch you a game. And they said, we want to play, uh, create a Star Wars TCG. And the head of Asmo Day said, I'm going to start out with the answer, no, and you have to convince me otherwise. And they said, mm. after they did their full pitch, he said, you've convinced me. Let's go forward with the game. All right. Oh, I, I, I hope it stays. Now, I will say it's funny. Every game that has, in my opinion, every game that has had those dice draft card things, they're, they've been the way of the Dodo. You know, the Mar- Marvel, uh, uh, dice the Marvel masters. games. 
Dice Masters, and they tried to do multiple versions of that. I drafting of the dice, and then there was a pirate one that yep. had dice in it, and you know, then you had the Star Wars one. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe it's a theme there with the dice. I, you know, I can only assume based on what I'm seeing here. But yeah, well, Ashes had, worked. Oh, but that one the TCG that's different. That was that's different. Yeah, Ashes. Well, they had to reborn it. Had to be, have a phoenix thing. Happen. Yeah, they, they relaunched it, but that wasn't a supply issue. That was just kind of just reinvigorating it. So yeah, Star Wars Unlimited, you're probably going to hear about uh, it more on the channel. If you want to see a video of my trip, go out to our YouTube channel, Roll Dice Tech Names. I put together like a 15, that's yeah, about an 18 minute video. Actually, no, I can't remember. No, it's a 15 minute video <laughs> of, of uh, different things that I saw and a lot of interviews, especially if you're like, well, I've never played TCG. I asked a lot of the designers, if for somebody who's never played a trading card game, why should they consider this? They all give you answers. And then I also asked the questions, well, you have, if you have a lot of experience in TCGs, why should you consider this game? And they gave answers there too. I really appreciate them doing that. Again, you can go over and find that video on our YouTube channel. Uh, let us know in, in our Discord channel if you're going to try out the game. I'd be curious to see what people think. And uh, we'll come back with the full review in uh, March or April after we get all of our stuff and we play a lot of games. Five minute initiative begins in three, two, one. Stone Spine Architects from Jordi Adon from Thunderworks Games is from Thunderworks Role Player cartographers. So they've continued along those themes and you are a master builder of a labyrinth from a minotaur. Do you say monitor or minotaur? Minotaur. So once again, I'm just going to cut right to the chase with this. This is a card drafting game. So guess what? Marty and I like it. Yep. This is one of those games that where the gameplay matches the theme so well. At the beginning mm-hmm. of the game, you get a basically a blueprint of a dungeon that you're supposed to build. It's a four by four grid. Each of the squares of that grid is basically cards that you're going to draft. So on your turn, you're going to look at your hand. You're going to draft a card. You're going to pass the cards to your left or your right, depending on what round it is. And then you got to put it, you start at the top row and you start building in the rows all the way down. You're going to play four rounds and the, and the game ends. But what you're trying to do is draft cards that matches the blueprint that you're trying to make. The blueprint may say, hey, the first row, third card needs to have a gelatinous cube in it. So these dungeon cards are basically rooms, and the rooms are split into four quadrants, and each of the quadrants can have something. Uh, Maybe it's a gelatinous cube, and if it is, it's like, oh, great, I'm going to draft this one to make sure I get it into this row. And we're going to go through that entire phase of being able to place cards in our dungeons to, to start trying to fill out our blueprint, because if you do, they earn victory points. So from Marty's perspective, that's what he's doing. I'm just trying to get a path from the entrance of my maze to the end, because that's what my Minotaur wanted me to do. He wanted me to achieve a way to go in and a way to go out. I wanted a maze, but in that, I wanted them to encounter villains and globs of goo and stuff like that. And in order to do that, we've got that construction phase Marty just talked about. But I have the opportunity to do an improvement phase where we will go to a market and we will buy special people. We may buy additional hobgoblins or trapdoors or secret passages that we can add to our dungeon. And then there's the cleanup phase, which is exactly what it is. You're going to clean up construction and replenish the markets and the cards. 
which by the way, I think is an unsung hero of how this market worked. I liked how we counted gold, how we figured out what the gold was and, and then players got to bid based on their priority in the thing. And I also liked how different types of cards were put out in the market, which put out different types of traps or something. So that's going to increase the replayability and the randomness of this game, which will challenge you as you are building out your, your uh, labyrinth. Yeah, because at the bottom of every card, there's like a gold value. And uh, basically at the end of a the round, you're going to add up all the exposed gold values. Plus, some of the rooms may have treasure chest in them. For every room that you've built previously that has a treasure chest, you get an additional gold. Everybody determines the amount of gold they had. And like you said, Tony, whoever has the most gold gets the first crack at buying something. They'll buy it, they'll spend it, and they'll move down on the gold track. Then whoever's highest gets to do their buy phase. And so you may be looking, it's like, oh, wow, another cards I have has that gelatinous cube, but I can buy one during the market phase. I need to make sure to have a lot of gold and make sure to have the maybe first or second choice in buying that cube I need to add to my dungeon. You got a blueprint you got to do. That's one thing you got to do. And then there's these final priority cards that are going to give you victory points. Then you've got these gold cards that you're dealing with. And then you've got these challenge cards that you're also bidding for that are additional things that you have to achieve. So all this comes together for the final scoring. Yeah, because the first person to pass in the merchant phase gets the first choice of the challenge cards. And that's another decision you got to make. You may, th- you may be looking at the challenge cards going, wow, I've kind of already got that challenge done. Maybe I forego buying a bunch of stuff in the market phase, pass first, mm-hmm to get first shot at that challenge card. So for me, summary, love the game, enjoyed the game. It's one of these games that I hope, you know, if we've got some time to kill, it's one that I would put on the table quickly. Now I will say for the teach, it will take a little bit of a teach for people so that they can understand. But if you've got people that have played this game, it's a quick one. Yeah, I agree. And at the end, Counting up the points is really simple. You're just going to look at your blueprint. How many things did you get correct from the blueprint? Gives you a certain amount of points. Like Tony said, you're trying to make a path from the entrance. Uh, For every path from the entrance, every card that you go through gives you a point. Same thing from the exit. If you happen to have entrance and path exits cross over each other, you're going to end up doubling points, which Burt did an excellent job. Don't, Don't diss me. Mine was sweet. I'm the one who came in and then I had a challenge that card that says you get to count everything a whole bunch of times. Did you win? I think I did. I can't remember. I was... It doesn't matter it doesn't who won. Matter. It was, did we have fun? Did I, we have no, fun? I had a lot of fun. And again, I felt as we're playing this game, I'm actually building a dungeon to meet a specification. And I enjoyed the process of doing it. Of course, core drafting. So I'm already in. Yeah. And my favorite part was when Marty goes, oh, I completely forgot about my blueprint. <laughs> <laughs> I was so intent on making sure I had gold. One row, I totally forgot. Oh yeah, I needed like a treasure chest there and a goblin at that spot. Well, now I got to go to the market and try to buy those now. There's a lot of things going on, a lot of things to keep track of. But yes, that is Stone Spine Architects from Thunderwork Games. Five minute initiative is complete. Printing Press is still ready to be ordered over at shopportalgames.com. Tony, Ignacy sent us a copy for us to check out, so I have a copy here. The next time we have game night, we'll have to play it. And I've uh, heard from uh, people in our Discord channel that Robinson Crusoe 
Kickstarter starting mm-hmm. to show up all mm-hmm. over the place. So a lot of people are going to be start playing that. Um, it kind of uh, makes me want to pull out a copy and, and try it again and see how bad I can lose. Uh, I would do it in a heartbeat. Now, was there by chance the new Nirishima Hex uh, expansion in there too? Probably not. He probably forgot all about that. I love for Nirishima Hex. A sorry dog. That's not out yet. That's no excuse. <laughs> That's no excuse. <laughs> he needs. He, he, he knows better. He knows he needs to get that in there, regardless of um, whether it's out or not. We need to be able to check that out. Hey, I also noticed he's got this hot Valentine's Day thing going on for Imperial Miners. Another free scenario. Man, I, I, oh, I keep forgetting to order that. I need to order that. But I am going to add it to my cart, and I am going to have fun and download it here. You mentioned it, so I found it. It is Merchant's Guild that is available for uh, order right now for only 10 bucks. So, yeah, we need to get a copy of that, too. We haven't played Nirishima Hex in a while, so I'm anxious to uh, try out this uh, brand-new version of Merchant's Guild. But to keep up with everything that's going on, head over to shopportalgames.com and to make sure to follow their weekly vlog uh, over on YouTube at Portal Games. I've been a fan of Phalanx games for a while. P-H-A-L-A-N-X. There's been several historical games that we have played from them over the years that we've covered on the show. One just came out called Total Domination. Designer uh, Wei Ching Ching. And this game plays anywhere from 60 minutes to 120 minutes. Supports up to one to four players. But... I do think four players is the best way to play this game, Tony, because this is a team-based game that takes place uh, during World War II, and it's the Axis versus the Allies. It's the UK and Russians teamed up against the Germans and Japanese. It's total domination. You're going to try to live out the course of World War II and gain victory points to meet a certain level. The um, Axis have less than the Allies. To be honest with you, the gameplay is straightforward. The devil is in the details. I mean, when Marty first started teaching this, and nothing against Marty, he he this this was a hard teach. This is a hard teach. Anytime you have these games, I mean, you know, 45 minutes in, and Mark looks at me and goes, Can we just play the game? And I'm like, Well, there's these little bitty details that are out there. Overall, the way the game works is you're going to have a strategy phase where we're drafting cards. The next phase, you will be playing cards and then you're going to do cleanup. Now, the beauty of this game to me was how the cards are designed with either using operational points, developing technologies, or being able to use a special event if it is your color, being either it's a, it's a axis event or an ally, your faction event. That's really it with these games and you're just playing a card on your turn doing those things to try to leverage yourself so that you can gain stars that's really all there is to this really it's an area control game uh the more areas you control the more victory points you're going to earn each spot on the board is either worth one to three stars and if you own that spot that's literally victory points and so that's how you earn it so what you're doing on your turn is you're deploying armies by spending uh, operational points, you're spending operational points to move armies. You're spending operational points to attack uh, areas to try to remove somebody else's pieces and then possibly move in and take control of the area. 
there's a technology tree for uh, every faction where you can put a card face down and at the end of the round you get to reveal it and build that technology and those technologies will decrease the cost to deploy units decrease the cost to move decrease the cost to attack so you have this nice little tech tree that you can develop over time or like you said the faction event i've always loved games where you do drafting and that's what happens at the very beginning in this round cards dealt out to everybody you take a card you draft it you pass it to your left why do i like that because tony who over here was sitting to my left playing as japan and i'm sitting there and my cards going wow nothing is really good here for me oh it's like holy crap but if i give this card to tony it's got a special event for him because that's his faction that would do really well I'd better keep this card for myself mm -hmm. before I pass the rest of the cards. I like that part of the strategy of this take a card and pass type draft, and it works really well in this game. Yes, and it's also, you know, it, depending on the round, either goes left or right. And then it is how do I muster my points? Now, one thing I will say about this game that future plays will definitely help is we all turtled. And when you play these type of games, I think, I disagree. Oh, I think we all turtled, including you and Bert fought over France. That's all you two were doing. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, okay, you finish how you play the game, and I'll tell you how I'll play the game differently. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, so when we were first playing it, we were trying to get the feel of the game, and we ended up, okay, we need to build up, and you're limited by how many units you can have in certain spots. Speaking of the various rules, by the way, if it's a land rule, a coastal rule, or a sea rule, you know, certain things got to happen and how ships got to move. All this stuff has to be presented to the players so they don't break these specific rules. Yeah. And there's a lot to keep track of. There are certain places that said, hey, you can move into this area, but this one must be first moved into an area with a C unit. Because you're transporting stuff. Yeah. But this must be moved to an area first with a land unit. Now, once you do that, any type of unit can travel across that connection, but it tells you what must go across over there first. Little things like that that we kept having to make sure we got right as oh. we played. And I'll be honest with you, by the end of the third round, I gave up. I was mm. like, I'm done with trying to keep track of all this stuff. Do I have to remove a ship? Oh, he just blew up my, he sank my battleship. Do I now need to bring another battleship over there to bring my tanks over there? This is the kind of stuff I think when you get into these games, they become complex. And we began, which for me is why I began to turtle so that I could sit there, okay, whatever he did, I should be able to, a way to beat it. But eventually, I will push back and begin to my, do my advance once I ensure. Because guess what? There's supply lines in this game, too, mm -hmm. that you've got to be able to manage. Not so much as Race to the Rhine or um, uh, uh, God, the Moscow one. Is, I think it's Race to Moscow yep. as well. That, to me, is when you first begin that, you begin to look at it from a turtling standpoint. Moving forward, I think I would do more of a push, be more um, aggressive in my play. And I would be the opposite. If I was to play the UK again, I think I would spent too much time trying to build up forces and attacking and not spend enough time on technology. Because I sh at, the, at the beginning of the game, I think I should dedicate one card. I should draft a card for technology to make deploying cheaper or make moving cheaper. Or, mm -hmm. uh, Tony, you, you opened up a technology called Rockets, which basically discarded cards from people's hands which is just an action you don't get to take well there's a technology to counter rockets it was called radar to to keep that from being as detrimental to you so these different technologies you can develop over time i would try to develop build a technology tree and also as the uk we can get the us in to help us russia could bring in china 
to come and help them. And we had to discard a card to move a token to bring us into play. I didn't do that quick enough. In fact, I didn't do it at all. And I really needed their help. So I honestly would turtle at the beginning to try to get my technology and us into play before I started moving out. But maybe that's because me as the UK it would play different, but as Japan, maybe you would be more aggressive. I was Japan. I played the same way again, where I would wipe out the Chinese industry, take over their property. All right. Take over their little hex so that if Russia was to advance that track, they couldn't do it. I would definitely sit them out. Therefore, eliminate their capability of getting their special cards in. And then I would begin that and begin advancing and trying to go and see, I left you alone. I was going to advance towards India so that you would have a three front war. Mm, mm -hmm. All right. Meanwhile, that would have put Mark to have to put pressure on me from Russia's standpoint. And he would need to also counterbalance against Bert. And that is the give and take of this game. When you're playing with people, especially that's why you said four player is you need to be involved in it to understand what tactics people are playing. You were doing nothing in the India range that made me worry about you coming in and hurting me from that standpoint. You and Bert were too busy fighting over France. Viva la France to say, <laughs> Well, and then he eventually weakened. He came in and, and took me over and stuff. Of course, it didn't help when Tony was basically at the end of the game, just say, Marty, discard two cards. And it's like, I had nothing to protect myself. That's why learning the technology tree was tough for us. We have to constantly reference the rule book. What does this technology do? What does this technology do? Now, one thing I do love, I love multi-use cards. I love that this card, there's three purposes of every card. Either spend operational points for all the things I mentioned earlier, developing a technology or the special events for your faction. And some of those events are really cool. Sometimes they were deploy and move for free or give you extra operational points to spend. There's one that I like where I could drop in these little tokens, resistance forces into axis areas, which decreased their control by one, thus basically hurting their victory points. Mm -hmm. And then Bert had to attack those resistance units to get rid of them. So he had to spend operational points just to get rid of them to earn those victory points back. Lots of little things like that I, I did enjoy as we played it. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the strategy is of the cards. I would sit there and say, okay, I'm not going, I knew which technology I was going to develop this round, but I needed to see it's a way to pause my turn by saying, hey, I'm doing a technology this turn face down, next person go. This gave me the ability to say, okay, what are you and Mark going to do? How are you going to play so that I can respond to it at the end? And I like the fact that during turn base, it told you who was going to go first. So you could play out your strategy that way and say, okay, I know I'm going to be the last person in the round. So if I hold back with a six OP card, I know I can defend or rebuild whatever detrimental thing you did. Right. Yes. The, the um, bomb cards, the rocket cards. Yes. That was a way to eliminate the number of turns that someone could do. So as soon as you saw someone do that, you would immediately drop uh, radar so that they could only hurt you by one card. If everybody has that technology, then basically you've reduced everybody's turns down by one. Yeah. Shortening the game. That's, that's really what that does. So if you like drafting and you like multi-use cards and area control and tech trees, you might want to check this out. Now we did have some issues with the rule book and here's why. We were constantly referencing that rule book. And like one of the things that, hey, when you use an air fleet, because you got air fleets and land fleets, because you can use do airstrikes, flip it over to the hangar side. We're all looking at our tokens going, 
what are they talking about? And we're going through all the tokens. There is no hangar side. Come to find out there's an errata version that uh, document that you need to download off of Phalanx's website. And this is a multi-page document that actually says, oh, in section 4.2, replace this paragraph with this paragraph. One of those paragraphs was getting rid of the thing with a reference to a hangar. And when you use a fleet, you're supposed to put a marker on top of the fleet to indicate that you've used it. The rule book is full of these erratas. That's an issue that we have because we're constantly going back and forth of errata rule book. Errata rule book is this change back and forth. I wish they would put out a full PDF that has the errata built into the rule book so we didn't have to go back and forth because the rule book was hard for us to follow and jump around and find certain things that we were looking for. And then having two documents to go back and forth just made learning the game a little bit tougher. Now, once we got the hang of it, we kept having to look at that rule book less and less, but the learning curve was pretty street steep because of that errata document. Yeah, the, the rule book was tough. All the little rules are an issue for me, especially if they're written in, the, in a rule book such that they're part of paragraphs. You and I are, will always harp on GMT rules and having it listed and bulleted out for Not you. Not like praise. Well, that's what I mean by, you know, pray. Okay. So if I need to do this in a GMT, then step this step, this oh, step, that yeah. step. Yeah. Here, it would have been nice. If you're doing an aircraft fleet or aircraft uh, movement, do this, this, this. Hey, if it's a land base uh, that you're needing to do, this land only constitutes this, this, this. I think some of the rules were too much for this game. Mm. I think they could have really scaled down some of these rules and made it simpler to play, especially this movement of, like I just gave an example of this movement of tokens because you got to bring a ship in first or whatever. There's ways to indicate this on the board than having these convoluted arrows that were all over the place. I enjoyed the game. I enjoyed the strategy of the game. I would play it again now that I've done, you know, that now that we've slogged through our first play of it, first blush, enjoyed the game, to the point where I will definitely want to play it again mm-hmm. with the four of us. I think I think it's so simple in the actions, the strategy actions and cleanup that these little nuanced rules, I could build us a little quick flow chart and be done with it. Right. Uh, one of the things we had uh, were tough with this too was some color of tokens. Uh, like Italy was like black tokens and Germany was dark gray. And under the lights we were playing, it was hard to tell the two differences. And then our victory point tokens we kept messing up whose was whose <laughs> because like my victory point token was the British flag, but there's a, a victory point token that is a combined of the two countries together. And it was like yellow and red and the yellow was supposed to represent the UK. But uh, my individual victory point token flag was red and white and blue. <laughs> so we kept moving the wrong. T- is we had some color issues and uh, that's just something that we got to just get used to because that's just the way it is. But it's little things like that that we like, oh, we accidentally removed the, removed the wrong token or, or Bert, you can't move that. That's an Italy token. That's not your token, uh, that sort of deal. So same way, there's a lot of things in this game that I like, multi-use cards, the drafting. It's just that you got to play it to get to the point to go, okay, now I see how a round flows. Now I see how deploy works. Now I see how movement works. Now I see how attack works. Now I see how these tech trees work. Once you're comfortable with that, it will flow pretty quick. 
So again, I'm I'm anxious to try anything Phalanx uh, puts out. I think they put out some wonderful stuff. They got a lot of wonderful games coming out this year that I hope to be able to try. But this is a this is one that pretty much is straight area control, total domination. If this sounds like something that's up your alley and you're willing to put in the time to make sure to get everything correct, between a rat and the full rule book and everything like that, you might want to check it out. Five minute initiative begins in three, two, one. Synapsis Games has a new card game called Tanuki that Tony brought to teach us. This is from Cole Smith. Now, Tanuki is a Japanese raccoon dog. So Tony comes in with these cards, with these cute little animals on them, with these cute little sayings and these cute little phrases. I am rolling my eyes, y'all. I'm like, oh my gosh, what kid's game did you bring in here to us? And he's like, like look, you got this garden. You're trying to build out this garden. And, and I was like, oh my gosh, what are we doing? And then we start playing the game. And then all of a sudden I realized, oh, wait a minute. Here's a card where somebody came and attacked and stole one of my guys. Hey, they, wait, this guy came and killed my guy. This game became a serious game of cutthroat trying to take out yes, each other's tanukis. And by the end, I ended up loving this little 20-minute card game. Yeah, and all these cards have special little powers. The emperor, the monk, the gardener family, the gardeners. Because the goal is whoever has the most bamboo at the end of the game is the winner. And you're doing this as you're, you know, you're drawing these cards, you're playing the cards, and you're trying to make sure, okay, I can't let him get this massive combo rolling over here because there's this is combolicious i love it's, it it's going combo, it is combolicious baby because uh, i mean you may be doing this you may be playing this card which ends up with this card well i need to take that card out no wait a minute don't let Bert get ahead of us don't let marty get ahead and i cannot do anything because i cannot generate any bamboo you know this is one of those games that yes and when i first was reading the rules and i love a rule book that i can quickly open the pamphlet and get it on the table that okay after the first round boom it's there. You got it. You understand what's going to happen. You haven't seen all the cards, but you know the flow. You understand what it is and how it is going to. It's not cute anymore. It's, it is. It is raccoon dog eat raccoon dog world. Playing with young kids. I mean, you can play eight and up on this game, but they better have some tough skin because you will be attacking one another. And gameplay is really simple, right? Play a card, draw a card. Yep. They got a Yakuza card in here which is just awesome, <laughs> allows you to steal from three different cards, a shogun, a kabuki actor, a bandit, samurai. It's, they are, they're so thematic and so good. So all of a sudden it's like, oh, the little cute art is gone. It's, it's on like Donkey Kong, baby. And, mm-hmm. and you're trying to set up samurai in order to protect your gardeners. And then somebody else is trying to eliminate your samurai so they can come after you. It is so good. I, I was totally shocked by how much fun I had playing this game. And it's a quick filler. You know, we could, while we're waiting on someone to show up, you can slap this on the game, quick setup, easy, shuffle, go. You know, you got your base starter cards, get, get the bamboo rolling. So yeah, it's a, it's a good filler game while you're waiting to get the next game on the table or waiting for someone to show up. And also like too, how the deck has basically a seasons card. So you don't know when the game is going to end. Mm. It's just when you draw that second season card, uh, you're going to take that final round and, and the game ends. So you're un- I love games like that where it's like, oh boy, do, do I go after a big attack here or do I try to make sure that I have enough bamboo or enough points you know, uh, in my garden in case that second season card come up? So just little things like that are so sweet. And the cards themselves explain themselves very well how they work to where you really don't have to reference the rules at all. 
So if this is something that you would be interested in playing or getting its own pre-order as of the time of this recording over at Miniature Market, $13.12.99. Okay, so it's a good way to get that $100 free shipping game. It's one of those that you can add, or you can probably pick it up for at other uh, retailers. But once again, it's on pre-order right now. It's supposed to come out in February. So hopefully by the time this recording out, it is out. Be sure to check it over at Miniature Market uh, if you're interested. $13.00. Who doesn't need another filler in their bag? Worth it. Again, if you want to mean take that game, worth it. And maybe it's not as mean as we were playing it, but <laughs> you, it you'll was pretty be mean. surprised. <laughs> so that is Tanuki by Cole Smith from Synapsis Games. Five minute initiative is complete. Head over to miniaturemarket.com for your gaming needs. Get those pre-orders in. Get ready for that because even the pre-orders, sometimes they can be sold out because they're basing it on their allotment, but they can then adjust it. So always be checking back for that. Get those notifications turned on. When something's out of stock, they'll send you an email. Say, hey, it's back in stock. Do you want to buy it? Be sure to check out the daily deals. You got to go over there and click on that banner, go into the daily deals, and then click on the date because... Guess what? It's called a daily deal for a reason. It's only there for a day. So make sure that you um, do that every day. You never do know what's coming in, what's going in stock. That's why those notifications are key. So head over to miniaturemarket.com. All right, everybody. The next episode is our big Squirrely Awards. We're going to be announcing our Squirrelies, and I've got uh, a lot of invites sent out to special guests to come on again and and there's going to be some voices that you've heard in the past and some brand new voices. But a lot of the categories will be the same. Of course, we'll be there hosting as always. Do I have to show up again? Unfortunately, you do. And make sure to wear, uh, it, is a, it is a black tie event. Okay. I, I got a black tie. And I also got okay. a t-shirt that I can wear. <laughs> I mean, the, the, for those who have listened to the Squirrelies in the past, you know that we hosted in the Volunteer Fire Department in Mineral Springs. I'm sure mm-hmm. that it's a nice facility this year. Um, hopefully, the, we can time it at the same time they're doing their barbecue fundraiser. Yeah. And I'll try to make sure they got the heat on this time because mm. those aluminum fold chairs are very cold. They are. To the butt. I got some extra foam. And I know Aldi's recently had the foam cushions on sale. So we could, mm-hmm. we could have splurged and got that, but not going to happen. Looking forward to our guests showing up and entertaining us as always. Can't wait to hear who all the winners are. Well, I know who all the winners are, but I still can't wait to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> Before we start recording, uh, TMC is having the 31 yes. day of Oscars. And so today I watched the end of Cool Hand Luke. Oh, so good. So good. And then we started watching um, a Dirty Dozen. I don't so think I've good. ever watched Dirty Dozen all the way really? through. And I was hooked. So when you texted me and said, are you ready to record? I told Vanessa, can, can we record this? She went, oh, yeah. So I've got it recorded. So we're going to go back and finish watching Dirty Dozen sometime. That is a really That's, good movie. Oh, um, and I don't know if Kelly's Heroes ever won an Oscar. That's an incredible uh, movie as well. Because I was watching the other night. They had Pride of the Yankees on. And, and, mm, I'll, yes, yeah. and I watched the last... Well, I just wanted to see the last 15 minutes of it because it won an Oscar for, I think it was special effects and this isn't worth $5. Okay. Um, And the reason why is that they interlaced all actual events from Lou Gehrig's days on there. I mean, they actually got the the speech when he's doing his his famous uh, speech 
They have the right. footage behind him. Also, uh, Gary Cooper was right-handed. Lou Gehrig is left. So they stitched the number on the back oh. of his jersey so that when they reversed the flip the negative, it looks like he was left-handed and he was actually doing it right-handed. Whoa! However, they've discovered Gary Cooper actually learned to hit and throw left-handed so they didn't have to do it that often. Oh, okay. So get this. I just looked this up as you were talking. It won 10 awards. Amazing movie. Best film editing, best actor, best actress, best picture, best score, best visual effects, adapted screenplay, sound mixing, story, cinematography, and art direction. Insane. It makes you cry. Oh, I, yeah, it would. It make me cry. 1943. Wow. Yeah, the, the Lou Gehrig story, you know, he died in 1941 on June 2nd, 1941. And his speech is probably, if you've never heard his final speech, you need to go listen to it. Go listen to it because he, he, he recognizes he was still such a humble man. What's the famous line from the speech? Oh, now you, I knew you would ask me. Um, I'm the um, luckiest man on the face of the yeah. earth. Is that I it? think so. Something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I've been uh, today. I consider today. I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh yeah, I love when T uh, Turner Classic Movies has this going on because I'm picking up all these classics that I, I enjoy watching. I missed. I think they've already done um, uh, a Citizen Kane. They must maybe they're going in order. Okay, because the two movies, because Cool Hand Luke and Dirty Dozen, released the same year. Maybe. Uh, because uh, one of the actors is in both the movies. The the guy who was up for the guy who won in Cool Hand Luke, Paul Best Supporting, best, uh, no, not Paul. Ne- um, oh yeah, uh, uh, George C. George Kennedy. George Kennedy. George Kennedy uh, is in both the movies. Mm-hmm. And and in Dirty Dozen, isn't that um, Telly Savalas and uh, um, uh, Jim oh, Brown? So, uh, uh, yeah, uh, 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 Bronson, not Bronson Pierce, Charles Bronson. Um, Charles Bronson, Bronson Pierce, oh, uh, Pierce Bronson. Wow, all over Pierce Bronson. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, Charles Bronson, uh, Jim Brown, Telly Savalas. Uh, after the big, yeah. big oh well, and uh, I can't think of. Oh, um, um, uh, um uh, the guy that was uh, from Mash, uh, played Hawkeye, the movie Sutherland, Sutherland. Donald, Donald Sutherland. Sutherland. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, such a good, such good, good flicks. All right, is that good for the outro? Can we can we end this thing now? Uh, yeah, yeah, we sure can. All right. So hold on. I need to check the show notes. There was something else I thought we had to put in there. Let me go back to our show notes and just make sure. Promote the squirrelies. There's no video games to talk about. Well, that's good to know. And all right. With that, keep rolling dice. And take the names. Thanks for listening, everybody. Remember, if you want to support the show, you can do so over at buymeamoonpie.com. We would love your support to keep this thing up and running. And don't forget, our next episode is our annual Squirrely Awards. We look forward to seeing you there. All right, Marty. We've made too many mistakes. I see you had to get some more coupons from Miniature Market. Yep. You think we'll ever not make a mistake? As long as this show's going on? No.